Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, welcome back to the Mike Smith Show. John Jang filling in for a Friday morning, and it's time to get into it. Baldry's Beat, Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief, joins us now. Good morning, Keith. Morning, John. All right. Another week, another controversy. I know we touched on this yesterday, but Anjali Apadurai, the BC NDP leadership candidate, uh, we are just hearing yet another controversy here, Keith. So give us some more details on exactly, first of all, how many controversies she has seemingly been a part of and what's the latest that we're hearing? Yeah, hard to keep track. Yeah. So this began with uh, her in an Instagram video uh, with a supporter talking about how they'll pay the $10 fee uh, for signing up. Uh, then you've got uh, another controversy of an email surface of, uh, from someone suggesting people, Green Party members, mm-hmm. uh, quit the Green Party and then join the NDP in sort of a takeover bid. And if she doesn't win, go back to, to the Green Party. Now you've got the fact the Elections BC is now investigating the Dogwood Initiative Environmental Group for p- potential Election Act violations for assisting in her Campaign. I've talked to a number of New Democrats now who are getting quite apprehensive about this whole thing. That they are, what they're witnessing, they think, is the perceived take hostile takeover right. of the party by an external environmental organization, environmental activist organization uh, that is supporting her candidacy. Interesting interview with her. I'm just reading an interview with her uh, on this uh, w- website called the J- Jaco- Jacobin, which is sort of a left wing right. website interview. Um, where she acknowledges the caucus does not support her, you know, although she thinks some members of the caucus would support her. And it's, it's creating this potential situation if she were to win this leadership. And the fear is from the New Democrats is that David Eby's been a bit complacent here. Mm. She's talked about uh, signing up thousands of members. Well, the party only started with 11,000 members, which made it vulnerable to a takeover. And if she can outpace Eby in terms of signing up members and actually becomes the leader of the NDP... Uh, you'd have an extraordinary situation where the caucus would not support her. She would not have a seat in the legislature. She would not have a seat in the caucus. And the caucus, I don't, she would not survive a confidence vote of the caucus, which would create this extraordinary situation of a party leader who actually can't command a lead, a leadership over the caucus. It would put the government and the party into crisis. But we're not there yet. Right. Um, EB could still emerge as the victor here. I still think he will. But it's creating this very nervous prospect for Democrats. They don't th- I don't think any of them saw this happening. Although a number of us at the, at the beginning said, don't discount the environmental movement in terms of getting organized. You're yeah. already starting with a very organized base of people. In this interview, in this Jacobin, she talked about how she raised $40,000 in five minutes on a Zoom call. That just doesn't happen in politics. Right. Uh, but it does happen in the environmental movement. And, but it raises some questions. You know, I would assume the NDP is going to demand some answers of this in terms of fundraising. You're only allowed to donate a maximum of $1,300. That means so 30 people in five minutes contributed $1,300 to her campaign. Uh, I think she's going to have to provide some proof of exactly who those people were. Yeah. Speaking of that environmental group, the Dogwood BC, uh, their comms director, Kai Nagata, we have this clip here saying that they are in compliance. No rules were broken. Take a listen. We understand ourselves to be in compliance. So 
as a third party, again, we are communicating not with the general public. We're not advertising uh, to um, random members of the BC public. We are talking to people who have opted in. They follow the rules. That's what they're saying. But Keith, like more than anything, this creates, uh, first of all, a weird precedent. That's such a thing. That's such a bizarre thing could happen again down the road in, in future governments and discussions and leadership races to come. But also, number two, like whoever is managing her campaign probably should not be managing another campaign down the road because this has been more than anything a bit of a disaster three train wrecks on our campaign so far um and it's one thing is perhaps they haven't violated the elections uh, act but there's also uh, ndp internal bylaws and rules that they set so the, the ndp is also investigating this as well hmm. and i would suspect they are looking for ways to derail her candidacy if there is a prospect that she has more um Sign-ups on David Eby, who is the by far the consensus choice of, of the sitting government to become the next premier. I think they'll find a way to uh, derail her candidacy on some technicality. I'm not sure what it would be, but I can tell you, talking to an increasingly large number of caucus members, they are very nervous and concerned about this, that someone could be, come into the party, take over, and basically be the head of the government, even though they wouldn't be able to function as the head of the government, because they wouldn't be in the caucus and they wouldn't have a seat in the legislature. No one's going to resign their seat, which is traditionally what happens when someone without a seat comes in. Uh, No one's going to resign to make way for her. And that's uh, another precedent-setting situation. Well, politics never boring at the very least. Uh, Elections BC also busy investigating yet another matter. Uh, Take a listen to this, Keith. This was Alvin Singh from Forward Together Vancouver. It's the party with uh, Kennedy Stewart running for mayor. uh, Talking about this two-page spreadsheet that a gentleman found on Broadway that looks an awful lot like a campaign donor list with some heavyweight names. Take a listen. Yeah, I don't think it's any surprise that those names are familiar because we've already proactively disclosed those donors weeks ago, going back to 2018. We always follow election BC rules to the letter. In fact, we've gone above and beyond by proactively disclosing. Keith, a bit of a trend we're seeing here. A lot of people saying we are in compliance. There were no no rules broken, but it doesn't seem to match the numbers that we saw on the actual spreadsheets. Well, this is one of the more bizarre things I've seen in an election campaign for someone to find a spreadsheet you know, on a street, it just happens to have the names of all the donors for a, a campaign. It's just, it's just totally bizarre. But Stewart's political opponents are making hay of this, understandably, trying to portray him as basically in the pocket of developers. Uh, developers is always in the municipal level of politics. Developments are and developers are always bigger. Uh, issues than they are at provincial or federal levels of politics because it's much more you know all politics is local well that's hyper local when you talk about developments and there's certainly some controversial developments uh, proposed or underway in Vancouver probably more controversial than we've seen in quite some time so this is going to turn into a, an issue that I think uh, would become considerable political fodder for Stewart's opponents but uh, interesting to hear Alvin saying not backing away from this saying right. it's no secret we are we have the support of developers. But uh, I think it's also exposed potentially some flaws in some of the municipal election laws in terms of fundraising and such. And we'll see if those are addressed in the future. Yeah, I think the big takeaway from today's edition of Baldry's Beat so far is to hire a really capable campaign manager and staff because finding a discarded spreadsheet like that, as you mentioned, bizarre, that should never be happening. And (laughs) if you were leading that, if you're Kennedy Stewart, if you're Alvin Singh, you are probably not feeling very comfortable about who exactly you're trusting with such important documents. Well, exactly, exactly. 
exactly. Uh, how does this stuff get out? Uh, how many people had that? Had a copy of that document? Was it freely circulated, or was it just amongst a tight mm. group of people? And how did it end up on a sidewalk? All right, uh, let's take one more story here before we take a quick break. Uh, we are, of course, still in a stage of mourning. We're awaiting the queen, the late queen's funeral. But this new report saying Canadians not at all feeling mm-hmm. that impacted by the loss of the queen. Take a listen. Are you currently in mourning for the death of Queen Elizabeth II? No, I'm not. Just figureheads. Just for the tourists. That's it. Nowadays. Though views like that would appear out of sync with what we've been hearing from London, a recent poll found that's actually the majority opinion among Canadians. And it's likely growing with each passing year. Keith, I remember it wasn't that long ago they said Canadians were friendly people, but this doesn't seem to match up with that particular stereotype. So what exactly do you think is going on? Well, I think the further further away you get from Buckingham Palace, the less support there is for the monarchy. Mm. I think it's always been the case. I think there's also more of a personal connection with Elizabeth and the monarchy itself. It's interesting, the, the phrasing of the question is, does, this, does the Queen's death have an impact on you? That's right. And I think for most people, you know, when you think of the impact on my life, well, my life didn't change. You know, nothing has really changed uh, for me. But I don't think that necessarily means I don't care uh, about her passing or about the fact that we have a monarchy. I think there's there's no question support for the monarchy will likely dip with the passing of Elizabeth. Right. King Charles is nowhere going to be nowhere near as popular. But having said that, I've covered royal visits. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, who are now the Prince and Princess of Wales, mm-hmm. um, had a, a, a crowd here at the legislature just a few years ago that was almost like Beatlemania. I mean, it was just wow. insane how, how popular they were. So I think people will be uh, wrong to discount the support for the monarchy at some levels. But nevertheless, this poll was by Leger. Uh, did point out or did uh, discover, to no one's surprise, that support for the monarchy and the queen is at much lower levels for younger people, which right. is not surprising at all. Older generation grew up with the monarchy at a more personal level than the younger generation. And that's bad news for the monarchy over the long run. Over the short term, the monarchy is going to be just fine. Over the long term, I'm not so sure. I was too young to even understand the significance of what had happened when Princess Diana passed away, Keith. Mm-hmm. But how do you compare the global atmosphere between that and this? I think Diana was bigger, um, and because because I think it it also uh, struck more young people. Mm-hmm. She was sort of a almost a teen pop star. Queen Elizabeth, I think, is very much associated with the older generation. Not necessarily going back as far as World War II, but certainly people over the age of seventy, I think, connected with Elizabeth more than they connected with Diana. But people under the age of forty connected with Diana. Again, I covered her eighty-six visit to Vancouver Expo eighty-six. Huge crowds and adoring throngs, and a lot of those people were young people. So I think in in terms of impact, I think Diana's death was bigger because it transcended monarchy. It was like the death of a rock star right. more, than, more than anything. All right, welcome back. It's the Mike Smith Show. John Jang filling in for you. Hope you're enjoying a lovely Friday morning so far. Keith Baldry is here, the Global News Legislative Bureau Chief. And Keith, uh, we were just talking about uh, the impact of the monarchy and our young people starting to pay less attention. Well, there's an interesting new poll that says exactly what you were theorizing, sir. Take a listen to this. It's Steve Mossop and his findings with Ledger about how young people are caring less about the royal family. 
We've seen over a 30-year period a steady erosion, and that's it's really simple when you look at the breakdown by age. Only 12% of 18 to 34-year-olds still follow the monarchy, and it's something like a 32%, 34% for over 55+. plus. Now, Keith, I think it's quite interesting because uh, Jazz and I, we had a discussion about this on the Jazz Joe Hall show last week as well, but immigrants like myself, I think... Maybe, just maybe, like there's a bit more pride and, and, and adoration of the royal family because we wanted to like become full Canadians, right? You wanted to get that citizenship. Mm-hmm. You wanted to become a resident. You wanted to be proud of living in this country. So you just became enamored with all things about Canada. And my mom, for example, although she's not a millennial, obviously, she loves the royal family. She mm-hmm. loves the queen. And so I wonder like how the demographics of all this would one day work that, out. That's a very interesting point, John. I didn't think of that before. Um, you're right. Immigrants are just had an acquaintance uh, the other day uh, saying you just got a citizenship. Uh, right. And he had to pass a test of uh, even though it was multiple choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just pointed out to him, I said, you probably know more about Canada than the average Canadian because it required him to study mm-hmm. uh, our institutions, our history and uh, a number of factors that I think a lot of people just take for granted and don't. Um, really pay attention to it. And one of the things he did uh, have to study was the monarchy and the, you know, the, the fact that the, the queen is the head of state. Uh, it's not an American system. The pres- we don't have a U.S. president, for example. We do have a head of state who's the queen. That's right. And uh, he had to learn that. I said, you're probably ahead of the game. when it-. And so he's, a, he's an immigrant uh, and learning the rules here. But uh, again, I think his knowledge base is probably larger than that of the average Canadian who doesn't have to go through that, who's just born here yeah. uh, and doesn't have to study the rule book. Well, it's a fascinating thing, and I would love to maybe do a, like a poll one day of exactly how that would shake out. Uh, maybe that's something that we can get either Mario Canseco and his research code team on, but uh, I think you're onto something there, Keith. Uh, a final story here before we wrap up here for the day. Uh, Chip Wilson, of course, the founder of Lululemon. In some cases, depending on who you're talking to, it's a very controversial figure, but making what I would think is a pretty smart PR move. Take a listen to this, donating a whole bunch of money for environmental reasons. Uh, take a listen. People must have gone... What are you doing a park for? It says there's parks everywhere. I mean, that's all we are is one big park. But civilization will come, and we need to set aside these lands for people and for conservation. $100 million. That is not a small chump change, Keith. That is a big deal for the BC Parks Foundation. You know, for the BC Parks Foundation, no question. Well, you could joke, $100 million only takes you so far yeah. in spots in Metro Vancouver, but that's not what we're talking <laughs> about for parks. It is a significant uh, contribution. Chip Wilson is a controversial figure. I mean, there's no question, but this is going to go, I think, a considerable way to improve his PR with people. If this can be part of his legacy, not so much Lululemon and clothing as much as the establishment of even more parks in BC. I mean, parks are very important to British Columbians, mm-hmm. no question. The NDP government in the 1990s, that was their, their, one of their main tenets of their platform was to increase the amount of parkland. And that was very popular in the 1990s, and it remains popular to this day. So Wilson has done himself, a, I think, considerable good in terms of uh, 
uh, a legacy and public goodwill. Yeah, and I look at this and think, you know what, a hundred million? Uh, sure, it's not. It's not like the billions, that, for example, that the federal government would be able to share and, and do a whole bunch of infrastructure projects with. Take a look at the expansion of the SkyTrain project as an example, mm-hmm. but it does make a difference, especially coming from a private sector uh, businessman like Chip Wilson. And yeah. you know, you look at BC. What was the old motto of the province, Keith? It was beautiful British Columbia, and so beautiful much of BC. that. Yeah, it's so much of that is built on the amazing parks that are found all throughout the province. Not just Stanley Park in Metro Vancouver, which is what most people think of, but you think of Manning Park out closer yeah. to Princeton. Like, there's so many great options around here. The park system in BC is unrivaled around the world. There's so many is provincial parks and national parks, and the more parkland, the better, from many people's point of view. You got it. Hey, Keith, thanks so much for this. Have a great weekend. Yeah. All right.